0: and the sun was shining. I was laying in bed, wondering if she changed it at all, if her hair was still red. Her folks, they said our lives together, sure was gonna be rough. They never did like mama's homemade dress. Papa's bank book wasn't big enough. And I was standing on the
1: side of the Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 119 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a discussion of the Ericsson FCPA settlement. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Before we get started, two points. First, please subscribe to our podcast and give the podcast a five star rating. Second, Volkov Law Group uh, offers anti corruption legal and compliance services. We have extensive experience in the design and implementation of anti-corruption compliance programs, risk and compliance program assessments, and third-party and post-acquisition audits. If you're interested, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, we had a big uh, development last Friday. It was the uh, Ericsson Settlement. Uh, Ericsson's the uh, Swedish-based uh, telecommunications company and we had quite a settlement amount. Uh, They agreed to pay uh, a total of 1 billion, yes, billion with a B, uh, for FCPA violations in at least five countries. Uh, Erickson entered into the settlement agreements with the Justice Department and the SEC. They agreed to pay a criminal penalty of over $520 million and approximately 540 million to the SEC. An Ericsson subsidiary in Egypt entered a guilty plea to an FCPA conspiracy to violate the anti-bribery, books and records, and internal controls provisions. The parent company entered into a three-year deferred prosecution agreement, a DPA, which included the requirement to retain an independent monitor. Erickson's bribery conduct was pervasive and systemic And as outlined in the plea paperwork over a 17 year period, Erickson engaged in bribery through payments of cash, gifts, and other items of value involving at least uh, five countries, Djibouti, China, Vietnam, Indonesia, and Kuwait. So I like to always frame the uh, discussion and the analysis uh, with regard to an FCPA settlement. Uh, by looking at the factors under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy. Uh, First, the Justice Department determined that Ericsson did not voluntarily disclose this matter. Uh, The nature and scope of violations were serious uh, and included uh, illegal conduct committed by senior executives, most particularly in China, and occurred in five countries over a 17-year period. Ericsson received only partial credit for its cooperation and remediation because it failed to disclose two significant matters, and I'd like to know the backstory on that one. Um, they produced certain materials also in an untimely manner, and they failed to take appropriate disciplinary actions with regard to certain executives and employees involved in the conduct. Um, as noted by the Justice Department Ericsson's compliance program, Uh, And they take two views of this, which is another indication of sort of the refinement of uh, DOJ's analysis of compliance programs. They take a view of the compliance program that Ericsson had at the time the violations occurred, and then uh, at the time of the settlement to see what sort of remediation efforts have been taken. So first, DOJ noted that Ericsson's compliance program, what a big surprise, was inadequate at the time the violations occurred and Ericsson now is currently implementing enhanced controls to improve its compliance program. Based on all of these factors, the Justice Department awarded Ericsson only, and I say only, a 15% reduction from the bottom of the uh, applicable United States sentencing guidelines. And what's interesting to think about is, had they received full cooperation credit and full remediation credit, How much of a break they could have gotten uh, and that would have meant a lot in the context of a $1 billion settlement. Further, uh, because Erickson failed to implement all of the planned compliance enhancements and did not test its new compliance improvements, the Justice Department imposed an independent compliance monitor for three years. As part of the uh, Deferred Prosecution Agreement, Erickson agreed to cooperate with ongoing DOJ investigations And it's not known whether or not DOJ is going to prosecute any individuals involved in the bribery conduct. But given the length of time involved, any individual prosecutions may be difficult because of potential statute of limitations issues. And FCPA prosecutions are subject to a five-year statute of limitations. However, some of the conduct is more recent uh, that occurred here when we go through some of the countries and the specific examples and that may make it uh, possible for individual prosecutions to occur. So that'll be interesting to see. We should watch for that. Under the uh, deferred prosecution agreement, as well, Ericsson's CEO and CFO are required to certify to the Justice Department that Ericsson has met specified disclosure obligations, including a specific requirement that Ericsson disclose any potential violation that occurs during the three year monitoring period. And each certification is defined as a material statement for purposes of the criminal code's false statement offense, 18 U.S.C. section uh, 1001. Okay, so that's sort of the outline of the settlement, uh, what occurred. Uh, The settlement now is in the books, uh, clearly not correctly in the books and records, but this is a huge settlement. This has to be, depending upon how you calculate uh, the Odebrecht uh, uh, FCPA violation, which was over a billion, or the uh, Petrobras, uh, how you ca- you know, how you deal with certain funds that were paid. Here is just a straight billion dollars, 500 million to each the SEC and DOJ. Um, and it's certainly, uh, when you read through the facts here, you can definitely see a pervasive and systemic culture of bribery. Uh, which included uh, senior executive involvement, winning business at any cost, and using bribery as an accepted uh, business strategy. Interestingly, also, uh, there were some third-party due diligence and onboarding procedures, but they were circumvented. And the way they were circumvented was uh, they would sometimes uh, set up a third party who uh, who could make it through the due diligence process, get onboarded, and then have that third party enter into uh, sub-agent, sub-consultant-type deals with other third parties who were not subject to the uh, due diligence review and then um, set up, let's say, the initial third party as a slush fund operator and then basically pass out the money to other bad operators. Uh, So the third party here scheme was pretty structured. Uh, very similar in many of the jurisdictions, uh, and now Ericsson basically for all of this toxic mix of you know senior executive misconduct, third-party misconduct, almost a culture of bribery as part of a business strategy, they have to pay a, you know billion-dollar settlement. There's going to be significant change that occurs under corporate monitor, and obviously they're going to suffer reputational harms uh, as they continue to operate. So uh, the conduct involved probably, they say, at least five countries, uh, but the Justice Department's statement of facts only goes through five countries. But uh, even reviewing each of the five countries, there's definitely a serious uh, sort of outline of just rampant corruption and bribery. As I noted, the uh, bribery conduct occurred over a 17-year period, beginning in 2000, continuing to at least 2016. Uh, Ericsson used third-party agents and consultants to make bribery payments to government officials and then managed off-the-books slush funds for bribery funding. The agents were often engaged by using sham contracts paid pursuant to false invoices and they avoided any meaningful due diligence or monitoring. The countries, again, that were involved, Jubadi, uh, China, Vietnam, Indonesia, and Kuwait. Now, in Jubadi, a country which is located in the Horn of Africa, it's bordered by the disputed territory of Somaliland, Ethiopia, and Eritrea. Ericsson paid approximately 2.1 million in bribes to high-ranking government officials to obtain a contract with the state-owned telecommunications company to modernize the telecommunications system, which probably means putting in 5G uh, technology. The contract was worth about 20 million euros. Ericsson retained a consulting company and conducted a due diligence report that basically deliberately ignored a spousal relationship between one of the high-ranking government officials and the consulting company. To pay the bribes, Ericsson entered into a sham contract with a consulting company and approved fake invoices to conceal the bribe payments. China uh, and the China conduct, which was pretty outrageous, uh, occurred between 2000 and 2016. Ericsson paid tens of millions of dollars. They couldn't even come up with the exact figure because there was so much Uh, to various third parties, which was used to fund a travel account to pay for gifts and travel, hospitality, entertainment for government officials from state-owned telecommunications companies. Erickson specifically used the travel expense account to entertain and win business from officials from the state-owned telecommunications companies. They also made payments totaling $31.5 million to third-party service providers pursuant to sham contracts for services that were never performed in order to maintain third parties under Ericsson's control. Foreign officials from state-owned telecommunications company s- submitted uh, false invoices through sales agents and consultants that were used to fund various bribery schemes. Now Ericsson used the travel account then to entertain foreign officials and family members in the United States take luxury cruises in the Caribbean, uh, and only, let's say, two hours of a 16-day trip were reserved for business meetings. Uh, they traveled to London and other locations around the world. Uh, and Ericsson again, used fake invoices and payments made to sales agents for purposes of paying for the entertainment and the travel. In Vietnam, between 2012 to 2015, Ericsson paid... million in payments to a consulting company uh, to create off-the-books slush funds in order to pay third parties who would not be able to pass Ericsson's due diligence processes. The slush funds were used to pay third parties who would not be able to satisfy Ericsson's third-party due diligence process. Similarly, in Indonesia between 2012 to 2015, Ericsson paid approximately 45 million. To consulting to a consulting company to create an off-the-books slu- uh, slush fund, and then the payments were improperly booked and recorded. Although they didn't uh, specifically allege in Indonesia that there was uh, specific bribery payments, but they clearly uh, uh, characterized this as uh, books and records and slush funds that were kept uh, off the accounting records or mi- or uh, miss. Uh, misquoted or misrecorded in that sense, erroneously reported. Okay, the final country was Kuwait. Between 2011 and 2013, Ericsson agreed to pay $450,000 to a consulting company at the request of a sales agent. The sales agent then provided inside information about a tender for a project with Kuwait's state-owned telecommunications company's radio access network. Erickson made a bribery payment of $450,000 for a ward of the $182 million contract. So those are the countries. So a couple points here just to reiterate. Number one, we had senior executive involvement, uh, and that again underscores the importance of C-suite risk assessment, C-suite misconduct, and the impact that such misconduct can have on a company. Number two, we see the telecommunications industry from Vimplecom, MTS, and other cases going back to Haiti Telecom. Uh, the, uh, the telecommunications industry, because it's all based upon interactions with government officials uh, to manage communication services, is obviously a high-risk area, and we can see that Ericsson being in that industry uh engaged in uh, misconduct and they had frequent interactions obviously with government officials and secured big contracts so obviously the telecommunications industry is ripe for high risk monitoring third with regard to third parties here we saw the danger of sub-agents sub consultants in uh, the failure to monitor uh, their activity the failure to review invoices the failure to review Uh, to make uh, each of the third parties to make sure that they are actually providing services, because here we have so many sham contracts, sham invoices, uh, that basic monitoring and auditing uh, and verification techniques were uh, never used. Uh, And again, we see how in China, gifts, entertainment, and hospitality is a critical way by which Uh, people engage in FCPAs or corruption behavior and make bribery payments to influence government officials. Well, that's the Erickson Settlement. Just wanted to get uh, the word out there. It's an important settlement. If you get a chance to read over it, we're going to look for any individual prosecutions that may occur. We'll see you in a week for another episode of Corruption, Crime, and
0: Compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption,
1: Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our services that we offer at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our, guess, our award-winning blog, Production and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can always contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve
0: I heard it say over my shoulder, "We'll meet again someday on the avenue, tangled up in blue." I had a job in the great north woods, working as a cook for a spell, but I never did like it all that much. And one day the axe just fell, so I drifted. Old right outside of Delacroix, but all the while I was alone, the past was close behind. I seen a lot of women, but she never escaped my mind, and I just grew. This place and I stopped in for a beer I just kept looking at the side of her face And the spotlight so clear Later on when the crowd thinned out I was just about to do the same She was standing there in back of my chair I said, Timmy, don't I know your name? I murdered something underneath my breath She studied the lines of my face I must admit felt a little uneasy When she bent down to tie the laces of my shoes She lit a burner on the stove And offered me a pipe I thought you'd never say hello She said you look like a silent type Then she opened up a book of poems And handed it to me Written by an Italian poet From the 13th century Rang true and glow like burning coal Pouring off of every page Like it was written in my soul but me to you Trying to love you blue I lived with him on Montague Street A basement down the stairs There was music in the cafes at night And revolution in the air started into dealing with slaves and something inside of them died She had to sell everything she owned and it froze up inside And when it finally the bottom fell out, I became withdrawn. The only thing I knew how to do was to keep on keeping on like a bird that flew To get to her somehow all the people we used to know they're an illusion coming now some are mathematicians some are carpenters wives don't know how it all got started i don't know what they do with their lives but me i'm still on the road ahead for another joint we always the same. we just saw it from a different point